0: Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today, Tobin Yellen, grew up in San Francisco where he started skating in his teenage years in the mid-80s. He picked up a camera around the same time and started shooting some of the local skaters and quickly got his photos published in Thrasher, Transworld, and Big Brother. In the mid-90s, Tobin got involved in video projects filming a lot of stereo skateboards for his video visual sound, as well as anti heroes cult classic fucktards. Aside from his skateboarding photography and up until today, Tobin has been shooting advertising and fashion photos, movie posters or stills on movie sets, among other exciting projects. So here's my conversation with Tobin, I hope you'll enjoy it. Up until now I've usually had this format of just you know having a conversation with my guest about his or her career and like a uh, journey with skating. And at the end I do like a kind of segment with uh, surprise questions from friends of theirs. Yes, but for people like you and I just recently did an episode with um, Scott Johnston a few weeks ago and I gathered a lot of friends questions for him, like over 20 and I was like, wow, like this is going to take a long time to go through all of them and have all the rest of the interview. It will make like a really long, long conversation. So I decided to just do the friends questions and kind of use them as the bulk of the interview and kind of, yeah, just the interview itself is the friends questions, you know? Wow. And so I'm, I'm going to try to do the same with you, because uh, I got a, quite a few friends questions for you as well. I have like, I think around 20 or maybe a little bit less.
1: Okay. I'm open for anything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> cool, cool. But yes, yeah, so, so the idea is to kind of go through them and, and like uh, all the people that ask questions are from different, you know, time periods in your life and career. And uh, that will allow you to share some stories on different events or like um, projects that you've worked on throughout the years to get us started and just as an introduction i guess i'd like to just uh you know present you in a few words for the listeners who might not be too aware of your work i mean probably most people who will tune in for this will be aware of who you are and what you've done in the last 20 to 30 years but uh just for the people who might not know i'd just like to attempt presenting you in a few words and please correct me if i say anything wrong So I understand you grew up in the seventies and eighties between SF and Mendocino County, and you started skating around 13 years old. And I think that's also the age at which you started shooting photos. So that must've been around 1984. And you started shooting like people from SF that became like iconic skaters, like Mickey Reyes, Tommy Guerrero, Bryce Knites, Jake Phelps, uh, and more. Around that time, you took a photography class with your friend and I think roommate, maybe at some point, Luke Ogden. One of your teachers was actually Larry Clark, who became the famous director, everybody knows. And so he was one of your teachers during that time. And I guess he must have become kind of a mentor for you. And I think you actually worked with him later down the road, like on different movies, I think on Bully and Another Day in Paradise. You also started shooting for different skate magazines like Thrasher, Transworld, Big Brother. Of course, all of them were not necessarily at the same times because they were all quite competitive and a bit territorial. So it wasn't necessarily easy to work for several publications. And you also shot like a lot of photos for like skateboard brands. So yeah, and so in the mid 90s, you actually uh, went to Europe to like cover some um, skateboarding competitions that were happening back then. And I think that's when you connected with Chris Pastras and Jason Lee, who were on a trip over there, connecting with them. You got involved in making their first video for stereo skateboards, A Visual Sound, which came out in 94. And uh, shortly after that, you connected with Julian Stranger back in SF who was starting Antihero. You uh, helped him like with the visuals for the brand and you filmed a lot of the video fucktards which came out in 97. And since then, aside from like skate photography, which you've kept doing throughout your life and career, you've shot like photos for various things, whether it's like on movie sets, movie posters, advertising, fashion for various brands and publications. And yeah, I guess that kind of covers very, very, very quickly (laughs) your career. But yeah, is there anything else that you would like to add maybe to that uh, very quick summary of your life and career?
1: Um, no, of course there's, there's so many, whatever little details about, you know, life and, and work and whatever, all that stuff, but, but that is a very good summary. So thank you, Quentin.
0: (laughs) Of course, of course. So, okay. So let's do these friends questions. So I have a first one here from Chris Pastris. It's a pretty basic, but I think interesting question. He said, where did you learn photography and who were your early influences? And so I just mentioned that you had uh, done this like uh, photography class, but uh, yeah, can you tell us about maybe getting into photography and how did you eventually start learning about it?
1: Well, I think so much of my interest in photography has to do with adults that were around when I was young. And that was the earliest memories of like cameras is my mom having a camera. And being excited about taking photos. And um, yeah, my father had Super 8 cameras. He shot Super 8. My parents split up when I was three. Uh, and one of my mom's first boyfriends after that was a filmmaker. So he had still cameras all over. But he also I also have memories of going to movie theaters to see movies that he had made or friends of his had made, and that was fascinating to me, because the movie cameras, you know, they're 16 millimeter movie cameras, mm-hmm. they have gears, and like, you know, the film comes from one part of the camera, and goes through the camera, and then gets wound up on a spool, and Just very fascinating, like so Mm. fascinating. And, uh, but my earliest photographs were like borrowing my mom's camera and probably wasting all our film, but just (laughs) on, uh, my cat and toy soldiers. I I fully have, uh, photos of toy soldiers lined up and my cat cruising through the scene and soldiers. (laughs) Um, so I got to use a lot of those, a lot of her cameras. Okay. Yeah. So that's my earliest memory cameras and, um, then I really like, um, early on, I liked that film Blow Up. That was really inspiring. Like just watching, looking at the life of photographers, what that, what that looked like. So I like that film. David Bailey and Blow Up. So I liked his photographs. Mm-hmm. And I really like Edward Weston. I got these books called The Day Books of Edward Weston. Okay. And those, those had really cool just insight into him as a photographer. And so I looked up to him. And my friend Luke Ogden... We grew up shooting photos together and learning photography. So I think I, I learned a lot from, from him and his photographs. I don't know. Also, I had a, I had a membership to the Museum of Modern Art. Mm-hmm. And early on, I, um, I got to see a lot of great photo shows there. And I did get to see a really cool uh, Larry Clark photo show there for his, I think it was his book Tulsa. And it was just laid out on a wall. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know who what that was about. But, but then I ended up taking a class from him later. So that was a cool little precursor.
0: Was he already making movies at that time? I'm not sure when he started uh, making movies.
1: No, um, I think somewhere in his book Tulsa, he wanted to make a movie of what he was seeing. Mm -hmm. So he, he did shoot 60 millimeter film, but I don't think he kind of grasped how to make a movie all by himself, you know? Okay. So no, he, his first film, his first film was going to be Ken Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was an early influence. And also the first documentary photography workshop I did when I was like, I was still in high school and uh, I did this workshop. Uh, My grandfather paid for the tuition and I got to meet William Klein, uh, Larry Clark and Pedro Meyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the people I remember, and through that I got to connect with Larry Clark, and like I just like it was it's such a great inspiration to just meet people that are photographers and they're doing something you want to do, and I didn't know it, but he wanted to. I guess he was looking to make a movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so he asked if he could come out and see what skateboarding was about or what what was like in California, and so he came out and he stayed on my floor, me and Luke Ogden's floor, we were roommates, and I think I was like nineteen. And kind of barely making it as a photographer, just like, you know, just doing it as much as I could and having odd yep. jobs and things like that. Right. So that, tr- like, he came out like f- like a bunch of times, like maybe five times and uh, just cruised around with me. And then through those experiences that he gathered there, he met up with Ed Lockman, who's a really good uh, cinematographer. Okay. And they co-directed a movie, and I, I think Harmony wrote it, called uh, Kemp Park. That was gonna be their first one, but then they got in an argument and they decided that they didn't like each other anymore. Okay. And they, they canned it, but then later on they made they finished it and made it.
0: Right, right, yeah. So then uh kids uh was before Ken Park, right? That was like uh mid nineties I think
1: kids? It was made before, yes.
0: So you were kind of the introduction to skateboarding for Larry Clark then?
1: I mean, I don't know. He probably saw skateboarding before that, I'm sure. Like, sure. He, you know, living yeah. in New York and stuff. But, yeah, so really, like, I, I took him to Visalia, California. I was doing a pro spotlight of Wade Spire. And so me and Larry drove over to pick up Wade Spire in Danville and then drove down to Karma Tashif's house in Visalia. And the, the characters that, that he kind of connected with was, like, karma's parents and the whole like kind of like parents parents are still partying <laughs> <laughs> they're they're living this like rock and roll lifestyle kind of like and how just how the you know families are kind of broken up and kids are into different things and karma's sister's name is peaches so in Chem park the main female character is named peaches oh okay some of the stories like the the intro to Kemp Park is a story that Alan Peterson told Larry about a classmate of his in high school mm-hmm. who brought a gun to school. And I don't know if he was a skateboarder, but he brought a gun to school and he committed suicide at school. And that, that became the, the intro to Kemp Park.
0: Yeah. And yeah, and as I said earlier, like eventually you worked with him on a few um, movie sets, I think on the, the movie Bully and stuff. You were shooting stills on, on those movie sets, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, that. um, Another Day in Paradise was the first one. It was his second movie that was shot in LA. And so that was really fun because, you know, my only experience in photography is skateboarding, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. I love it. But it was really nice to try something different. And (laughs) it was I was in so so far over my head, because I'd never met another still photographer that worked on a film. I didn't know anything about it at all. Yeah, so so I just looked probably like a kook to most of the, <laughs> most of the actors and um, the crew for a while, but then I just I figured I figured things out as I went along. Yeah. So that that was a really cool experience. Shot all film. The first like four films I shot stills on was all film, so it's all slide film, mm-hmm. which is also just fun and different. I don't know. This it's it's just fun to think about. Uh, it's so different today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: But it was a great opportunity. I loved it. I met I met a lot of like interesting people, got to see filmmaking. Uh, Eric Edwards uh, started to shoot uh, Another Day in Paradise, and then he got fired halfway through, and they hired someone else. But uh, I really like his cinematography a lot. He's worked a lot with Gus Van Sant oh, and yeah. different people. I really love his work. I got to meet uh, Melanie Griffith and uh, oh, the yeah. first time. The producer introduced me to her, and she didn't like photographers at all. So <laughs> so this is another thing that I just uh, – it was my first kind of – intro into like what people think about photographers and she said just she's like smoking a cigarette she just said just stay out of my fucking face <laughs> and i thought it was so funny i thought it was so wow. funny <laughs> so, so welcoming well uh, yeah i think it's just funny yeah photographers sometimes have a bad rap especially on film sets so i don't know
0: Okay. So this next one is from Thomas Campbell. So he said, tell us a story of a time with Mickey Reyes that was either fun or scary, or just shows the dimensions of Mickey's expansive character and maybe how Mickey impacted your life.
1: Uh, Stories about Mickey Reyes. Uh, So for all that you don't know Mickey Reyes, Mickey, you could go watch Sick Boys, that skate film from the 80s. So you could see his skating. He's really amazing. Skateboarder. I don't know. I mean, we met first time I really got to know him. We went on a cross country trip Mm -hmm. uh, or we went over. We went to a contest in Arizona. Uh, Me, Julian, Mickey and Mike Archimedes. And then we picked up we picked up Luke Ogden when we were there and brought him back. But we went out to Arizona and it was his first pro contest, and um, I think maybe Julian Strangers first or second pro contest. Okay, and uh, he's just way more grown up than anyone I knew. I mean, he's a couple of years older than me, but just like in years, like I think it's his father was a police officer. And I, I don't know, he's just more, he, he knew more about life. <laughs> yeah, more mature. Uh, yeah. More mature, I guess. Later on, we became roommates. And maybe I'll get some funny stories here. But we moved into a warehouse. Or he knew some, he knew some lady in a warehouse or a friend of his that, that a bunch of people were moving out of. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to move in, which is a really funny decision on his part because he was, just became a police officer. Oh, yeah. And then he invited all his invited me and Julian and Luke to share a big warehouse with him. I guess one story, we had this big warehouse and we had uh, beams, like big wood beams in the warehouse. And we'd all be sitting around the table, like having a beer or something in the kitchen. And he would shoot his gun into the beam without telling anyone. <laughs> oh, <wow>. uh, <laughs> and so that was a big surprise. So that was a funny, like, I don't know, mom, uh, Mickey moment. wow that's pretty gnarly what else uh i got to do ride-alongs with him when he was on his uh police oh yeah he's a
0: police officer okay
1: yeah and so one of the most fun moments or kind of like interesting moments was um he was trying to catch some people that were stealing cigarettes from a drugstore and they kept breaking the window and stealing cigarettes you know over and over and over again Uh uh-huh and no one could catch these people so he just drove by the place while, while we were in the car together. And he noticed they were about to steal the cigarettes again. So mm. he, he did his whole call in the sergeant or whatever. And, you know, and they chased him and they found them. Mm. So that was kind of exciting.
0: How long did you two live together? Was that pretty short? Or was that for a few years? Or
1: No, uh, I think we started living together right when I was um, really kind of just doing skate photography. I think I was like tw- like we probably lived together for five years we were at a bunch of roommates in a warehouse and it's just when i was photographing every day and kind of doing because before i was became a photographer i I did jobs being like an electrician assistant oh yeah yeah i also drove was a delivery driver for um a company that delivered vegetables and fruit to restaurants in san francisco Right, right So right when I was just, like, photographing every day, we lived together, and then we lived together at another place for three years, which was really fun. Okay. I don't know, just fun. He was, like... Just a weird character, like he would, it's just weird that he would get a job as a police officer, but I guess that's Mm. his family business, so that's what he did, and they still make weird movies, like we'd we'd be making some weird movies on a video camera, like Dave Carney was our roommate for a little while. I remember Dave and his friend Kevin wrote a film, and Mickey acted in it, and they all acted in it together, and switched the video camera around, they all all did in-camera edits. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just funny watching him. I think I think that's one of my favorite stories because he has like makeup on, like face makeup, and he's playing this weird piano. And then, <laughs> and then the next day he'll go to work as a police officer. It's just really funny. Actually, my next question is from Mickey
0: Reyes. So he asks Tobin, "How much do you love printing your own images? We had a rad dark room together in SF, and we printed together for many years. It was a blast.
1: Yeah, printing was so fun." When we lived in the warehouse together, we had a dark room that had no running water, but it was really still a great dark room and we printed there a bit, but then when we moved to the next house, we actually really we put in plumbing and a nice sink and that dark room ran for like 5 years and a lot of people came through there and yeah, Mickey and I had nice times like staying up late and printing. Just printing photos. It's just really fun. It's just really fun because it's like in, it's like editing a video, or you know, it's where everything comes to an end from whatever images that you've taken. So. just really fun and I don't know music the red light yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) and this is black and white printing by the way so you have ventilation just keeping the airflow going and then music and you have all these uh developed rolls of film that you're looking at you're looking you're squinting through like mostly 35 millimeters so it's very small you know uh images and you're looking through this which images you might want to make into a print and then putting that into for all that you don't know it's kind of like you're projecting you put it into a machine called an enlarger Mm -hmm. and you're projecting this little piece of celluloid that has an image burned into it you're projecting light through that down onto a big piece of paper a big photosensitive piece of paper and then passing it through developer stop and fix chemicals and then that's your print and you wash it and dry it and then that's it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that that is such a magical process so now it's mostly my darkroom is photoshop
0: yeah yeah (laughs) and i
1: I still enjoy printing but it's different it's still amazing i love the process of tweaking or changing the image to way the way i want it to look Mm -hmm. but i like both ways
0: okay i have a next one here from antonius Dencho.
1: yeah antonius
0: I think you worked with him on a book project not very long ago, like called Mental?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was an art show. It was a photography show.
0: Okay, right. So he asked Did it help sharing a dark room with your homie Luke in the Harrison Street house, or were you battling for the time slots in there? Like, did your photography get better at that time because you both were upcoming photographers?
1: Uh, okay, so, so growing up, Growing up in San Francisco, Luke and I, you know, I met a lot of my friends at the boys' club ramp in the Hate Ashbury. Right. That's where I met Mickey, Julian, uh, maybe Luke too, because I started started going there when I was in middle school. I ended up going to high school, George Washington High School, with Luke and Julian and Mark Archimedes and people. But so Luke and I took our first class in photography together. It was like a summer program right. class right before high school. And that was that was awesome. And so we started it out together and immediately, not immediately, but soon after, he got his dad to help him build a dark room in his house, which was really cool. It's this really tiny little room with mm-hmm. two doors. <laughs> okay. A lot is funny, a lot of the space was taken up by two doors. But so he started photographing and doing really good with photography. Soon after, my stepfather and mom helped me build a dark room in our attic we had this attic so it was really funny shaped like the roofs in San Francisco are pointy you know so so it was this corner of an attic and you couldn't stand up in it you had to (laughs) you had to sit in a chair (laughs) <laughs> so we got a chair with, with wheels. But Luke would come over and we'd print at my house and I'd print at his house. So I'd say that we pushed each other a lot in photography. We made mm. a lot of mistakes together, a lot of underexposed photos, and then a lot of like learning of what worked and what didn't work. So he definitely pushed me a lot to get better at photography. Mm-hmm. So, But no, we didn't have to fight for times in the darkroom right, at right. our warehouse okay. or whatever. But there was a time when we were roommates that, we only had one phone. So if someone would call to get, get, get a photo, you know, get one of us to take photos, it was a little competitive. I don't know. <laughs> sometimes Luke would be left out. Sometimes I would be left out. Sometimes we'd both be at a session and like as a photographer, you kind of want to be the only photographer at the session because, you know, you want to come up with some photos, but I would say we pushed each other a lot. And I think that's Probably that's a big reason how I got better faster, for sure. Yeah,
0: progressed, yeah.
1: Progress, yeah and plus we had we had a lot of older photographers to look up to around us like craig Stessic would oh yes be in and out of thrasher and high speed and uh, mofo would be there you know making photographs and doing his thing and also bryce knights mm-hmm. and kevin kevin thatcher as well so we had lots of like older people to look up to and see their photographs and they're all really inspiring
0: all right this next one is from aaron Mesa. So he said, during the height of the Concrete Jungle days, who was the better skater? Arco or Mickey and why?
1: Arco and Mickey and why? I don't know if I ever st- I would think of who's better. Height of Concrete Jungle days.
0: So Concrete Jungle was a skate shop, right?
1: Yeah, it's a skate shop. It was our skate shop. It was the kind of punk rock skate shop. It was awesome. Ron Posner from MDC owned the skate shop. MDC is a band and short for millions of dead cops. <laughs> and so his, he would practice in the, he had all his band equipment and he would take us to contests in his van. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if who's the better. I think Phil Chin was the best. They're also good. Mike Archimedes was like the first best skateboarder that I knew as a young teenager, like as I was just starting to skate. He could do anything, he would skate all over the place. He could ollie up curbs and ollie into 50 50 grind on all kinds of stuff. So he was in our little group of kids, like middle school kids. He was a few years older and he was miles ahead of anyone. Okay. Mickey was also really amazing doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Jeff Whitehead was on Concrete Jungle. He was really talented. I hung out with Phil Chin a lot. He was on Concrete Jungle. He was amazing. And he, by in contrast, Phil would wear like all white, mm-hmm. and he'd have his hair perfect and everything. And, and then we'd be in Ron Posner's van going to a demo or something, and it was just more of a an environment of like twelve packs of like really cheap beer and cigarettes and joints and and Phil Chin. It was it was pretty awesome. I liked Phil Chin a lot. They're all really talented. And then later, Mike Carroll got on Concrete Jungle.
0: Okay, this next one is from Fabian Al- uh, Alomar. I'm not sure how to say his last name. Alomar? Alom- Alomar. Alomar. So he said, what is the best trick that you ever shot going over the Gaunt gap at EMB? And who was it?
1: Uh, I'd say the most, my biggest memory is going to, or having John Cardiel call me to, he wanted to do a backside 180 80 ollie over it. And it sounds really easy now, but no one had ever done anything except for an ollie over it. Right. I think at the time he was 16 and so it was it was kind of a big moment you know for him because he wanted to get there at like nine in the morning Uh and do it when no when no one was there because he didn't want a big audience and you know i could take photos but i wasn't probably the best photographer yet (laughs) or i hadn't fully come into my powers as a skate photographer or whatever but being there and that's that's my best memory being there getting there early in the morning i think henry sanchez was there already and uh john and yeah and he did it he you know he bailed it maybe twice and then made it probably the third try Oh, wow. and that was that was pretty exciting i also got to watch mark gonzalez try a double flip that oh, was wow. really cool
0: damn he kick-flipped it didn't he yeah i think
1: uh yeah he kick-flipped it in yeah. video
0: days maybe or i'm
1: not sure mm, maybe i don't think so
0: maybe not video days yeah but uh yeah and i i was reading uh earlier this interview you did with um neil mcdonald for the slam city skates website a few years ago and there was a, sh- a photo that you shot of um john cardiel ollieing from it's like the Gons gap but it's not the actual Gons gap it's like right around it i don't know if you know what photo i'm talking about
1: yeah yeah it's um well, well the Gons is is the same it's called the wave i think but it's the same kind of wall it's this high wall that you go towards the, you go towards the fountain, the gons, uh-huh. You go towards the fountain, and then you ollie off the edge of it down to. I think it's called the th- whatever three stairs. It's like a stage kind of thing, right? Not right. the stage, but whatever. You're alling down, mm-hmm. but the way that John went was he went the opposite direction. Which there's some some kind of like space in the wall mm-hmm. that the wall starts. You know, it, it connects to the gons, but then it there's a space and then it continues on in another direction. So so it's at the same height. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's alling from that skinny, like, top of the wall to the, another skinny top of the a wall. But it was pretty big, right, the, the gap between the two? Like, I pretty, think it was pretty, pretty big. It, it felt pretty big. I mean, I shot it with a fisheye lens, so it looks probably bigger than it really is, but, okay. but it was big. Okay,
0: this next one is from Sean Sheffy. So he said, Ask him if he remembers when me and Julian Stranger cruised by the house before skating back in the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember Sean Sheffy. I remember him living in San Francisco, and we'd go skating, and he's so amazing. But first, first I remember Sean Sheffy, like, in the late 80s going, uh, I think we, me, Mickey, and Julian drove to down to San Diego for a trade show. hmm And Sean and probably Felix Aguilas and Barker Barrett and probably other uh, other guys, they wrote for Shut, and they were there at the trade show, too. Mm-hmm. And I remember after it was after the trade show, and we were hanging out skating curbs and skating in front somewhere and just being blown away by his. <laughs> there's some big, big island, and he was doing some crazy, like big backs of 180 over the island. I remember just all of us just like being really amazed by his skating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got to live in San Francisco later. And yeah, he got to, we got to hook up and go skating all the time. Uh, it's pretty amazing. He's such a cool person.
0: Okay. I have a few questions from... So I don't know if you know
1: Andrew Caulfield.
0: His Instagram is like Ando, A-N-D-O. Yeah, I know Ando. Right, right. Okay. So he asked a few things. So I'll just read you what he shared and you can like maybe pick a, a few of the questions you want to answer. His first question is, what is your go-to setup, camera, lens, film? Then he asked also, what are your favorite photos you've shot? Then he asked also, who outside of skateboarding influenced your photography? And his last
1: question is, anyone you didn't shoot that you would have wanted to? So I think my go-to setup for film, it always changes. It changes over the years and stuff. Sure. But I like, um, I could just say my all-time favorite setup is probably a Nikon FM2 with a 35 millimeter lens. Okay I love it because it's such a beater you know it doesn't I've dropped it I've did, done so many things to it uh, and it's still i mean you got to fix it and stuff like that but but mostly it's pretty bulletproof mm-hmm. um I really like that I really have really like the um Olympus XA there's a lot of different types of those but uh I really like the XA okay and those I do like um I don't know, I'll probably just blab it on, whatever. But but <laughs> I like small cameras. I like small 35mm cameras. I also like twin lens 120 cameras. Mm-hmm. I love Agfa 50-speed film and different color and black and white. I love triax. And right now, I, I haven't been shooting a lot of film. So I like I like shooting digital. And I don't know if that is part of the question, but... I really like the Nikon Z8. Okay. It's really cool. And I've just kind of switched over and gotten this. I have a couple of zoom lenses, but I'd like to get some primes. I'd like to get a 35 and a 50. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I really like that camera a lot. Uh, okay, so then... Like, favorite photos
0: you've shot? Is there something that comes to mind? I mean, that, that's obviously a bit difficult.
1: Uh... I love portraits. I love my favorite photos. I mean, I love skate photos, too, especially yeah. people that I love and that are friends, mostly. Sure. Uh, yeah. That's that's kind of my favorite memories from shooting, skating. And I don't know. I'm looking at a photo of Joey Sorrell right now that I took. It's probably the first time I met him. Uh, he came up to San Francisco with Fabian mm-hmm. and Mark Gonzalez, and I was living in a warehouse for a couple months and they came and stayed a couple nights and and looking at a photo where it's just a portrait of him and he has this cool um atm click board that mark did the graphics for and it looks really cool mm. i don't know i love i love people and um portraits of people probably the most
0: and uh he asked also who outside of skating influenced your photography
1: um, so many people. There's so many great photographers. One of my favorite photographers is Joseph Koudelka. Mm-hmm. And Joseph Koudelka uh, is from the Czech uh, Czechoslovakia. He's been around forever. Uh, he photographed the Russian occupation of Czechoslovakia. I think that was the first big thing that he did. But he also photographed gypsies. He made a book called Gypsies. Okay. And, and other things, I really love his photographs. Edward Weston is a big influence. Yep. You mentioned him earlier, yeah. Yeah, so many. There's so many to name. I don't know.
0: And yeah, and anyone you didn't shoot that you would have wanted to shoot? Is there someone that comes to mind?
1: I don't know. I think, um, I mean, every, as far as skateboarding goes, every skateboarder that I photograph, there's probably a lot of things that they did that I wished I was there to shoot. Mm-hmm. I think photography in and of itself is just you're just photograph I'm just photographing all the time and most of the time I don't come back with something that is amazing (laughs) most of the time you know or it might be one image in one day out of hundreds or thousands of images so I think really it's that I'm just happy to have had time with so many amazing people you know in skateboard world and have you know made some photographs that i really like and there's always going to be so many images that didn't they got away or it just didn't work out you know Mm -hmm. there was something there's something that happened that made it so today was not the day but i think that's just part of it then
0: i have a few from anthony clarival so he said you shot a lot of early thunder and ftc ads in thrasher a lot of sequences. One in particular that's burned into my brain was of Karma at EMB. As a kid, those sequences were more progressive than a lot of the tricks in the mag. Was your photography more about trick innovation at that point?
1: Oh, thanks, Anthony. Uh, That sequence in particular, I think was at a time where I think Mike York maybe was the first one to kind of do this no slide to like crooked grinds. Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden everyone had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone had to figure out their own variation of like tailslide to faky crooks or right,
0: you know. Right.
1: And I just as a photographer, you know, I think you get really keyed into what someone is going to publish, you know, and I think you as a team like as far as a skateboarder and a photographer meeting up to go go shoot some photos and this was at a time where not everyone had a video camera. Mm. So, it was mostly You know, maybe Aaron Mesa, Jacob Rosenberg would be around uh, San Francisco making videos, but it seemed like photography was still maybe equally as important. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Or whatever. So, whatever kind of tech trick someone was doing, you know, you wanted to get a shot of it. It became really difficult with sequences because. Uh, it was expensive. It was, it was just one shot. You had maybe on one roll of film, I had maybe three opportunities to get a sequence. Three, three goes, you know, mm-hmm. three bails, or maybe there's going to be a make. So it would be just having, trying to have a lot of film to be able to, to shoot tech tricks like that, like Karma's trick versus Thunderad.
0: Okay, his next question is, the Rick Nose noseblend transfer at BlackRock is a sequence that I don't recall seeing footage of. Did you shoot a lot of tricks that weren't filmed? How often was it just the skater
1: in you? I feel like it was mostly just the skater in me for my okay. uh, for skateboarding photos. But yeah, so much of the time. And I guess that's like the best you could do with a still camera to really communicate a whole trick is to shoot a sequence. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the closest that I could get as a still photographer to having a video camera. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that probably made me want to shoot video. And so, I don't know. Some things are, yeah, better for video, but... His next
0: question is actually linked to that. He said, at what point did you become a filmer? And how thought out or planned out was the filming for Fucktards?
1: Uh, so I think just, you know, I didn't buy a video camera until probably like in the middle of when I was shooting the anterior video, but you know, we did the, a visual sound first. And that was, that was really like my school on how to shoot video. I think what made it really how Chris and Jason kind of made it easier for me right in the beginning. And it was really fun actually, is they had, they had a big cruiser board, and They had um, big, really like one sixty nine indies on it with rollerblade wheels and and <laughs> okay. a lot, lot of riser pads, like extra big bolts, lots of wow. riser pads. And I was trying this out and it and I, after I got the hang of it, it was it made filming really really smooth and really really kind of fun.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: And they had their own camera and it, yeah, we just we just shot a lot. I think we shot for like nine months or something for a and, visual sound. Yeah. I think it was over the course of nine months i was in la a lot for some parts of it maybe the beginning parts of it and then then we were in san francisco a lot towards the end and that was i don't know i just learned a lot over that but uh fucktards was was a lot of people's film like julian and john and them would have their own they would just bring a video camera with them mm-hmm. and then film each other so it's not like i filmed the whole thing but what i brought to it was i brought super 8 my super 8 camera and we shot a lot of that, we shot some pixel vision. Do you know what pixel vision is? I'm not sure, no. No, it's the most interesting camera is for kids. And it was a camera that you buy in a toy store and it was, you record onto an audio tape and it creates a black and white image. Wow. It's pretty It is pretty <laughs> interesting. So there's a piece of that in the middle of fucktards that, that I shot. Really? Okay. But yeah, I love shooting video. Yeah, I just, I love it.
0: Mm. Also, just this question was kind of how planned out was the filming for uh, Faktars Did you have kind of a, a schedule or was it more like improvised or?
1: Well, you know, I was hired on for Antihero for, I basically lasted a year. Uh, I was hired on from the beginning to do photos and video. And yeah, we just go out and shoot video if, if that was, the, you know, if something we were doing called for that. I don't remember there being a plan. I don't think it was that long of a shoot, but I think I know. There's one trip. that was going to Burnside. A lot of the deluxe skaters went on the trip, and that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Pasturus was there too. Ben Liversedge was there. Tommy Guerrero like drove the van. That was fun. I don't. I don't think there was much, much other kind of like planned, you know? Okay. Trips and stuff like that, but it was just mostly skating around San Francisco.
0: Okay. Let's do maybe a last one from him. So he asked also, most photographers in 2023 no longer shoot sequences because there's always someone filming video at the same time. Are sequences a lost art? Is there something a photo sequence can convey over the video?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, a photo sequence is, I mean, it's just like a camera. I mean, nowadays cameras will do video or or photos but yeah it's different you know i like both uh it's just choppier right that's Mm -hmm. all it is it's like so maybe nowadays a still camera will give you 15 frames whereas a video camera will be like 500 frames
0: yeah yeah
1: but good luck shooting a line with with sequence you know still camera
0: And so he finished That's not a question But he said uh, Please tell Tobin He's my favorite photographer A huge huge inspiration From then to today If I wasn't constantly traveling Living out of a suitcase I would have a home Filled with his prints Wow that's nice Thank you So next one is from Tim Dowling. So yes, he Hey Tobin, I've been a huge fan of your work for like forever. And now it's a great honor and a privilege to call you a work colleague and a friend. I'm wondering, have you ever been on a skate session and the cops showed up and you got your camera and or film confiscated? If so, where were you shooting and with whom? And were you able to get your gear back?
1: Um... I don't remember getting my... I don't think that ever happened to me. The closest thing that happened to me like that was when Embarcadero was... At one point, Embarcadero became off-limits. The police just didn't want you there. And they would give you tickets or some people got arrested. Mm-hmm. I remember shooting at Hubble Hideout and having having a 16 millimeter camera. It was kind of big, like a bolex. And my, my regular bag and my camera gear and stuff like that, which is always... I was moved much slower than everyone else when the cops are coming so I remember the cops coming and everyone scattered and I'm left to I had to walk in the direction of the cops to be able to get my camera bag and my board mm. and I don't remember they might have taken my board I definitely have gotten boards taken away before uh, and I know I know they gave me a ticket for skateboarding okay and it was the, I guess the best thing they the worst thing that they could do to me or whatever the most bothersome thing so They gave me a ticket for skateboarding, which which meant that I then needed to go to a court date downtown and pay a fine. I think I pled not guilty, and I think they didn't charge me any money. It was just the hassle of going there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see.
1: So luckily, I never got my camera taken away. So, But yeah, thank you, Tim. Tim and I are both in the camera union. We're in the cinematography union. And yeah, and the, the strike is almost over. So I think we'll be getting back to work hopefully soon.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I heard about that over the news here. Yeah, he actually asked another question. My other question is for all the dads out there. I have two kids and I'm constantly trying to balance the home life slash work situation. How does having a family impact the jobs you decide to take? And if the gig involves travel, how do you deal with that?
1: Um, I think I would pretty much take any job. usually jobs don't last that long, maybe it's a couple weeks or a month. I definitely have had regrets of taking jobs that went out of my city or out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it does take a toll on family life and I you know especially when your kids are young.
0: How old are your kids now? Like, I think you have a, a teenager and a younger child? Yeah,
1: yeah, my son is sixteen and my daughter's eleven. So I think, luckily, I've been able to be around home, around, uh, around Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And that's been pretty lucky for me. So,
0: Okay. The next one is from Rick Ibaceta. So he asks, what happened when we missed the last train out of Amsterdam?
1: Oh, so, Rick, when we missed the last train out of Amsterdam, we had to stay up all night. I don't think we had money for a hotel, but we couldn't go back to where our hotel was.
0: What year is that? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, I think uh, early 90s. And so I think we started the evening kind of just walking. I think we walked, we walked so much all over the place. And I think we found a place to just like to lie down. We we slept on a barge, like this, this, it was just flat. It was just this like barge that was like docked to the side of, you know, the canal or something. And so rats were cruising around and then we, we didn't like that. So we left. I think it was me, Rick, and Julian. And then we sat at, like, any, you know, just outside of... A ca- I think we just, like, were waiting for things to open up so we could oh, yeah. get some coffee or something like that. But it was miserable. That was miserable. <sighs> <Fair laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Was, was that during the winter or, like,
1: a, or... Uh, I don't know. It was during one of the, the European tours where, where it was, like, you skate in Northampton, um, skate in, like, Munster, Germany, and different places.
0: Yeah. Those must have happened over the summers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Okay, okay. Yeah, wow. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I have uh, just two audio questions. I'll have you listen to this first one. Hey, bonjour Tobin. Hey, I guess you were part of the people uh, using the Nikon FM2. Could you tell us about it, please?
1: (laughs) Okay. Did you recognize the voice? (laughs) Mm, I'm not sure. That was uh, Fred Mortagne, French Ah, Fred. Ah, Fred. Fred's amazing. Yes. Uh, hi Fred. So yeah, I like the the Nikon FM2 was. Um, you mentioned
0: it earlier, didn't you? Like when you said your favorite gear, kind of was it a Nikon FM2 that you said?
1: Yeah, I think that's one of my all time favorite cameras. I don't have one at the moment, but I've had I've had many throughout the years, and I think they were really nice because they had a high flash sync. They had two of a second flash sync for the nice color fill flash photos, and I don't think it, it didn't have any automatic settings. So it was it was quite simple. Uh, if the battery died, you could still shoot photos. And that's, mm. that was nice because batteries die and sometimes you don't have batteries. So, right. yeah, yeah. so it was really nice, really nice and small and really tough. It was like this like tank. And uh, I think Nikon still tries to emulate that shape today in their digital photographs. Or I mean cameras. Cameras, yeah, yeah. And it's just nice. I, li- I really like having it around, just uh, walking around with my friends, uh, shooting either skate photos or... Or portraits and just capturing kind of like what's happening with, uh, in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's not so precious. You know, you could, you could buy a new one pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to have. I love that camera.
0: All right, this next one is from Eric Swisher from uh, The Chrome Ball Incident. So he asked, You played a large part in both a visual sound and fucktards, which are now looked upon as classics, but were largely slept on at the time of their release. Why do you think that was the case during the mid-90s? And what is it about these videos that seems to resonate so much more decades later? Thanks for everything.
1: I think... Uh, thanks for the question. And I think anything that resonates, I think, is honest. It's just truthful and unique. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. I think that's probably probably what makes those two videos stand out or different because they're very different. They are kind of personal takes. I think for like the anterior video, I think... The lo-fi-ness of it, like just how parts were thrown together with like, for example, there's a street musician, Carlos Guitaros, Guitarlos, mm-hmm. And I think Julian filmed him sing, uh, playing a song and then just took the intro of him playing the song and then cut together uh, Sean Young skating throughout it. You know, oh, so it, yeah. it's very simple and very like... Spontaneous? Yeah, well, in comparison, the normal way to do a video part would be shooting a lot of good video, but then also picking a song that's intense or inspirational or like, or kind of like heightens the uh, experience of seeing that video part. It might be like, amazing song. You always remember those songs for video parts that you like, you know, and it it creates like a cinematic thing. Whereas what uh, seems like what Julian was doing with that was kind of bringing it to I don't know, a less precious kind of example. Yes,
0: yes. Kind much of much like more example. simple. Yeah. yeah
1: And I don't know. I mean, a visual sound, like, I think Jason and Chris were just, like, figuring out how they wanted to tell their story. I think a lot of how good that movie is, is, is or that film, is that they thought out every little piece. Mm-hmm. And it was just really special how how they had the phonograph player and how they you know they had the shot at the end of I think Jason's friend with this old old record player and they were kind of like now it's over now we're bringing the needle up mm-hmm. and <laughs> uh, yeah. and just those moments those moments that they put together were really unique and I don't
0: know or even like the intro of uh, I, I was watching it the other day um the intro of uh, Ethan Fowler's part like I think you you guys shot that at the very end right uh, kind of spontaneously like uh, him laying down on the street and stuff
1: yeah, well, maybe that's that's another reason, too. That the intros that were all shot in Super 8, and Jason is obsessed with film and shooting all film now, but even then he was shooting Super 8, uh, and all the intros were, were stills, either my stills or Gabe Morford or Ari Macopolis. They brought Ari in and used just a lot of great imagery. <laughs>
0: All right, this next one. So that's not really a question, but as I reached out to Ed Templeton, he said, Tobin must have a lot of stories about shooting celebrities and Cardiel and Stranger and Andy Roy back in the day and shooting on film sets. <laughs> so, <laughs> We've mentioned uh, like Cardiel, Julian, we haven't mentioned yet like your work uh, around uh, shooting um, on movie sets. But I was wondering, like talking about Andy Roy, do you have maybe a memory or like a story that you you could share about filming him or shooting photos with him? Like you shot this iconic photo of him with the gun. that's very famous. But uh, yeah, do you have something that comes to mind?
1: You know, uh, my probably the the things I remember the most are just being on trips with people. And uh, one of those trips was us, like me, Julian, Andy. Trying to figure out how we're going to get to the East Coast for a couple contests in 1993. Actually, yeah, nineteen eighty three for a long time. It was exactly 30 years ago. 30 years, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So I had a car, but it wasn't, you know, in great condition. I think I needed new tires. Mm-hmm. So it happened that Andy's father was either a mechanic or had access to, like, good discounts on tires so i remember going down to telling the people uh, telling julian and andy like i don't think i'm gonna be able to go because my car's all not in great condition so so he got me a discount on some tires so we had new tires and then we invited no actually it was me julian and john and then we invited andy to come so okay. we drove from san francisco to new york and i don't know stayed out there for like four days we also went to a contest in connecticut and went to the Brooklyn Banks contest. <laughs> and I remember on the way back, a couple of funny stories. I think we we're like John was talking about the Marine Corps, and I think his dad was in the Marine Corps, and his stepdad was in the Marine Corps, and it was like he was like talking about it like it was really cool. And Andy just liked to fuck with anyone that he could, anyone. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "Fuck the Marines, fuck the Marines." <laughs> and me and Andy were sitting in the back seat, and then John, we we're driving, I think Julian was driving, and then John jumps over and starts fighting Andy, and they're fighting. <laughs> back and forth. Uh, another thing, we got some really cool uh, mixtapes from uh, Aliasha, gave us some really cool mixtapes. And we're listening to some. I think I was driving in the middle of the night in Colorado, and I had the video camera because I was so bored. The video camera, and it was snowing, and uh, Julian and Andy had shaved their eyebrows somewhere in the <laughs> middle of this trip. Which made us really interesting characters, like walking into like a McDonald's or something. <laughs> <laughs> we were driving and listening to hip hop, and I had the idea I was going to wake them up and videotape them. So I okay. have video video footage of them waking up in the back seat and listening to like Diamond D, and some nice video footage of them with like no eyebrows. <laughs> so that's that's a good memory wow. I have of them.
0: <laughs> uh, I'd love to see them. that. That must be really cool. All right. So this next one is from Jamie Owens. So he asked, Hey Tobin, what are some of your all-time favorite skate photos shot by other photographers? Do you uh, have uh, some that come to mind?
1: I do. Okay. Do you know the photo? I don't know if you guys know this photo, but Mofo took it and it's, it's this guy doing, he's doing a frontside grind in a pool or like a wheeler grabbing his nose and he has an empty beer bottle. He's looking up into the sky while he's grinding uh-huh. a pool. With one hand, he's holding a beer bottle and looking up into the sky. The other hand, he's grabbing his nose and doing like a frontside grind in a shallow end of a pool. Okay. So that's one of my favorite photos. Luke Ogden has so many of my favorite photos. Great photos of Nottis at Venice High and so many other ones. Mm-hmm. Mike Blayback has so many great photos. Grant Britain. There's too many. I love um, Grant's Chris Miller, Frontside Air with his pole, taking oh, a photo. Yeah. He has his camera on a pole. Love that one. Yeah, and uh, all, uh, I love all Stessek's photos of just people hanging out and like group photos. And those, those are really amazing.
0: Okay. He also asked, you shoot a lot of behind the scenes on movie sets. What's been one of the most memorable ones or maybe the wildest thing you
1: witnessed on a movie set? Uh, one of my most memorable movie set experiences and... I swear, like, a lot of movie sets are very, very similar. They they all run kind of like a machine. It's all very, you know, the day is really, like, regimented, you know, written down and planned out. Mm -hmm. And I was so lucky to get to work on a Mike Mills film. It was called Come On, Come On. Oh, right, um, yeah,
0: with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. And um, it was such a trip. It's such a trip because... In between scenes, there was like music playing and they, he hired a musician a couple of different days and mm-hmm. we we're filming in the house and there would be a musician playing and they would stop the music between like when they're about to shoot. It was a French horn player and a cello player. Okay. And it was so weird. It's just so weird that that was part of the day <laughs> and part of the experience. And I really enjoyed, yeah, I really enjoyed that experience. It was just very different yeah kind of interesting kind of like a
0: transition between uh, takes or something
1: or my take on it was that it's just keeping the energy high and the just the vibe of the whole thing because i it just made it really fun for me just like a crew member being on set and i'm sure it influences like how how people are just you know the energy of the set i don't know but mm. it was really cool yeah otherwise i really enjoy being on film sets it's an environment that is always really interesting and busy there's always something amazing if there's you know if it's a good story and most of the films i've worked on are really good it's just really cool watching that go down watching yeah. those those takes happen and it's kind of like a little private theater you're just getting to watch it with the cinematographer and director and sound person and crew yeah And you get to be there i i love it
0: yeah yeah no it must be rad yeah, and especially, like, yeah, you mentioned that movie Come On, Come On with Joaquin Phoenix. I, I know you also shot some photos on a film with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, yes. back in the day, in the early 2000s. I, I didn't write down the name of the film, but, um, but yeah, that must have been interesting, too. He was a fantastic actor as well.
1: That experience, um, the movie is called Love, Liza. And right. uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's brother wrote the screenplay for that movie, and we got to film. The reason why I, how, how I got that was it was the same producer that produced Bully at, out in, it was done in the South. Uh-huh. Bully was in Florida, and I think Georgia too. But yeah, and Love Liza was filmed in the South, and I was lucky to be able to, to get to work on that. And it was amazing watching Philip Seymour Hoffman work. Kathy mm-hmm. Bates too, she was amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, I love actors. I love watching them.
0: Okay, I have a few questions from Joe Brook, fellow photographer. Let's see. He said, who are some of your favorite non-skate photographers? I guess you mentioned a couple of people, like you mentioned uh, Edward Weston. Do you have any uh, anybody else that kind of comes to mind?
1: Yeah. Um, huh, let me just think about it real quick. Shit, I wish I had my library here. Well, I love I love all the people I know uh, that I've been able to meet. Oh, I got to meet Robert Frank. Mm-hmm. I got to meet him and, and see him speak at the Art Institute, and he's one of my favorite photographers. He's a big inspiration. Um, Danny Lyon is a big inspiration. I got to, actually, I got to meet him, and I never thought I'd be able to meet him, but I ended up living in the same neighborhood as his son Noah mm-hmm. and met him when I was in Brooklyn. And then I guess Noah was in LA and, and visiting, and then his father, Danny, was, and his mother, too, was around. So they came by and I got to meet, meet them. So that was really awesome. Ari Makopoulos is, is oh, yeah. the one. He, I think he's kind of like my uncle in a way, because <laughs> okay. he's, not, he's not old enough to be my father, but, but he's kind of like an uncle. And I, love, I just love his, the, his view on life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love Lee Ladere's photographs. He's amazing. Who else? There's so many amazing photographers. I love Larry Sultan. Salton. Uh, is amazing. I love his work. Yeah, there's so many. I could list more, but...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, that's great. He also asked, uh, what cameras did you film tires with and do you still have them?
1: I still have the Pixel Vision camera that oh, right. I bought I brought from another one of our skater friends, Mon. I still have it. I still have my Super 8 camera that I shot that film with that I brought. It's a Super 8 sound camera. So I still have that. That's really cool. You can plug a microphone into it and Super 8 Sound Film, you know, has a a sound strip on the side of the film. So it just records the sound to that. So that's pretty Uh awesome. I don't have the video cameras that I had for that, but yeah. He also
0: asked, what's your favorite cover you shot? And I think you, I don't know if you said it was your favorite, but I know that one that was uh, like impactful was the uh, Jason Lee, the Ollie, uh, backside Ollie on this thing. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. For a slap maybe, or I'm not sure which magazine it was for.
1: Yeah, uh, Jason Lee was was a Transworld cover, and oh, Transworld, yeah, and that was how that was a big deal for me. Uh, that was really amazing. I think the most important cover I've ever made was my first cover for Transworld, and it was of Keith Huffenagel. It was on the same trip that me, Julian, John, and Andy went out to New York, and I got to hang out and cruise around with Keith. Mm-hmm. And he, I uh, stayed at his friend's house, friend Alex's house, that night, and um, we just went out all night shooting. And I mean, that's. That was such a big deal for me because I'd always dreamed of having a cover and that was my first cover. And so I think that's one of my most memorable ones. Mm. I also really love the Jason Lee cover. Obviously, it was really one of my favorites. But John Cardiel, Big Brother cover, going through the rafters.
0: Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one is great. Yeah. And then he asked, that one is kind of random, but it's a funny one. Favorite food spot in San Francisco?
1: Uh, favorite food spot is Cancun on Mission, right by 19th Street, uh, for a burrito. <laughs> and they also have really good ceviche tostadas, but get it with the avocado on top.
0: Okay, then I have one from Grand Britain. So he said, ask him about when we stormed the U.S. Capitol building, legally, we both wore similar jackets and had Lakers.
1: Yes, yeah, that was so fun. That was amazing. Um Grant's friend works in Washington, and we were in Washington, D.C. for a photo show that was sponsored by Leica. It was part of the, the uh, Rolling Through the Shadows photo show that was like, tra- like a traveling photo show. And we mm-hmm. got to go there. We got to go there together, and it was really awesome. And we showed up. I think Levi's skate was making clothes still, and they they sent us both the same jacket. Well, you know, everyone they sent everyone the same jacket. So it was we were going to a colder place, so we both brought these jackets. <laughs> it was really funny getting off mm-hmm. the airplane <laughs> and both having these these green puffy jackets on. Mm-hmm. It was fun hanging out with Grant for that. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, but his his friend Bob helped us walk in through the back way. back way to get to this the big dome inside and yeah we snuck in (laughs) and then we got kicked out so it's kind of like a kind of like a skate spot
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) (laughs) all right i have just a few last ones so this one is from greg hunt he said your photos have always had such a uniquely candid and genuine quality what's been your technique for getting people to be
1: themselves in front of the camera especially if you don't know them well Um, That is such a good question, Greg. I don't know the answer to that, although I can see a thread of something I like to do, and I like to sneak up on people. Okay. So it may be something like that. It may be something as simple as... You know, it's it's kind of like you're doing something sneaky with this device where you kind of see what photo you want to take and you're doing the math in your head as far as what exposure to get Mm -hmm. to get get you good because you don't want to like get that shot of that great moment and have it be dark. (laughs) You know, you can't see anything. (laughs) So I think my my technique is to kind of get ready first and always be ready. You're always ready. Always like if I if I'm in a cafe with friends or people or if I'm on a set and I kind of all immediately the first thing I do is I I start getting my exposure right for that Mm. scenario. So then that's set. So then I will only need to see something and then go and shoot it. So it's really just like being ready. Yeah. And then it's either seeing something happening and being kind of being intuitive as to what might happen or what you know something and kind of just being there. And if I'm lucky I'll raise the camera, and then something will happen. Something will be there, or I'll see something. Like maybe, maybe another example is you're walking down the street. Because when people see the camera, they immediately make a bad photo. I think most of the time that happens. Yeah. So, yeah. or what I want to have happen, obviously, when the moment I'm taking a picture, they're probably going to see the camera. So I want to wait. I want to hide for as long as possible until the moment where I'm ready with the camera and I can then take it and then mm-hmm. capture that little moment before before everyone changes and they take off their glasses or they do something you know that makes it not look so great
0: I think you've mentioned in other interviews that you've shot like a lot of photos of course over the course of your life But even just at the beginning when you were getting started like to get better to improve to learn You you were shooting a lot And so I was just wondering if you ever got a little bit burnt out on you know shooting photos And if you ever had periods of time throughout your life where you kind of either you know Just stopped taking photos for a few weeks or a few days or something Was there ever a point where you, you were just a little burnt out and not feeling as motivated maybe to shoot photos? Or, or did you manage to like, always remain motivated and, and stoked on shooting?
1: No, definitely not always motivated and stoked on shooting. I think it changes all the time. I think it has to. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to like, push something as far as it can go. And then it just naturally just falls apart. <laughs> and then I think that's why people buy so many different cameras. As that's partly, oh, yeah. partly just like a reset like, all right, I got this new camera. I got to figure this out. And then, all right, now I'm, now I'm excited about going and using this camera and doing what it can do. But I remember early early on when I was kind of just graduated high school and I was figuring out what I was going to do. And I was kind of honestly not really into photography, not really excited about it. Mm-hmm. And But I, I think the thing that happened to me was that I wasn't around anyone that was that connection to making a great photo. But then when I I think photography for me is, unless I'm taking photographs of myself or environments that I'm in or something like that, it's really dependent on subjects like people, you mm-hmm. know, and in- interesting people. and You can make an interesting photo out of anything, Sure, but it's all perspective. And I think the perspective changes constantly, like what, what do you want? What, what do you think a good photograph is? And yeah. that, I think that changes over time and it should, you know, to kind of keep it interesting. But I think I think with anything, if you're a writer or if you're you're making anything, I think uh, you get an artist. Yeah, an artist. Yeah, you get burnt out. You know, particular thought pattern that you're going through to make that thing, and then flipping it or switching it. But I don't know. For Mm -hmm. for me, it's also it's dependent on the people that it's usually people that are going to be in the photographs.
0: Yeah. Whenever you have a moment where you're not feeling as uh, excited to shoot photos anymore, like, uh, what do you try to do to find inspiration or get motivated again?
1: Uh, I, maybe it's a change of scenery. I think change of scenery is, is a good kind of switch that switches something back on that makes it more interesting. Or like I said, maybe like trying out a different camera. There's so many interesting things going on in the world. So there's really no shortage of subject matter to photographs. So yeah. It's just, um, yeah, just, just finding something. And then, you know, I also want to say that being a photographer for me has been a job. So the (laughs) job, the job can get just, you know, tedious. So then, Mm. then it's really nice to be able to do, uh, photographs. I just want to make, you know, photographs that I don't, you know, I don't have anyone. It doesn't matter if anyone likes it or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So that's, that's a nice, I think that's a really, it's a common kind of, uh, dynamic i see with a lot of photographers as they do their work photographs for their work and then they do their personal photographs and that's a cool combo because you know it's nice to kind of like you know balance those two needs
0: okay i have just a few last ones hello tabin benjamin here hope you're doing great i was wondering what seemed more important to you now was it sharing the let's say skate history and photos of uh tricks or So your documentation of people and times like, yeah, like portraits or just lifestyle photos, what do you think is, uh,
1: has more value now? Yeah. Thank you, Benjamin. Uh, I like, I mean, looking back at photographs, I, I value people more like a personal moment more than a skate photo. That's just me. I love skate photos, but I think maybe like for skate photos, it might be stills over Mm -hmm. sequences and stuff but um i value just times it's just you know i think all photographs are kind of like a memory
0: yeah definitely. and
1: uh a little journal entry so i really like portraits i like i like pictures of people i also like the mixture of the two and i like color and black and white together it's just kind of like a collage of memories Mm. and um yeah really nice but yes but i really prefer that i think portraits are more important to me after time goes on
0: he also asked about you being sober or something like that while you were filming fucktards. Did I get that right? Like being sober
1: or like or maybe fasting or something like that? <laughs> um, I don't know if I was fasting, but I've definitely been sober, you know, back and forth and stuff. From alcohol? Yeah, from alcohol. But, you know, I don't think I'm like I'm not in the program or something, but I like taking a break from it and not not drinking. Okay. And it's kinda of fun it's kinda of fun to hang out with people that are partying a lot when <laughs> when you're not yeah, drinking. When you're
0: sober, yeah. When you're sober, sure. it's kinda of funny. It can be annoying too, but
1: <laughs> Yeah. I w- yeah, I might I might not have been drinking and stuff like that. So I think okay. it's kind of a cool take on it. When when you're hanging out with friends that you've done this thing, you've you know, at the end of the day you're drinking and that's kind of like a, a routine that you have. It's kinda of fun not to drink. I think especially when maybe during that, in that example, like, you know, documenting and and filming for a video project, it kind of makes it, kind of keeps me on my toes a little bit more and kind of puts me in a place of like clarity, I guess, like that I can kind of probably capture more. I don't know. It's different. I photograph differently.
0: You've probably said this in other interviews, but um, were you in the room during that famous scene in, uh, well, it's not a scene, but like the, the um, like puking scene in uh, Fuck Tarts with uh, John and uh, Andy and stuff? Were you in the room or, or not?
1: No, um, that is one of my, that's my favorite video clip from Fuck Tarts. I think it's it's a cinematic achievement. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all Julian. And okay so he just sets up his video camera in the kitchen not knowing what's gonna happen and they were they were at some friend's house they weren't even at their own house oh it was somebody else's house oh, yes yeah, it's wow. someone else's <laughs> house i think at yeah. the time we were hanging out on hate street a lot and it was this their friend's house on hate street and um ruben orkin was there too and yeah it's a cinematic achievement i just i just love it's funny like I mean, it's really gross, you know, like all the throw up and yeah, stuff, but sure. it's, it's also kind of amazing how such force that John has in his throw up. Um, and also <laughs> he has, um, he's standing up, which is just weird. It's weird. Like mostly I, I picture people like bent over on a toilet doing yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> like he's like fully committed and it's yeah. just,
1: it, you know, it's kind of like one of those funny, you know, it's before Instagram and before people had cell phones that that was shot but it's something that now it is if that was shot today it would just be on instagram oh for sure you know yeah. right away so it's funny yeah, john is good at everything
0: he does apparently yeah <laughs> <laughs> even projectile vomiting <laughs> yes yes and the last one from benjamin also about fucktars he just asked uh, who decided to edit the video the way it is was it you or julian
1: um, it's definitely mostly Julian, you know, I, Julian's the, the ideas behind Hero and like how he wants it to look. And he designed all the ads, he does all the ads and does everything. But my memory yeah. was, I don't think Deluxe had an editing machine and I didn't know how to edit. I don't think there was any kind of like in-house editing. So we were at a editing house in North Beach, San Francisco. And I remember sitting in the room together and I think I would come up with some ideas and write some things down, but I think it's mostly Julian. And it was very like, just start to finish like how the video was going to start. And I just remember kind of being there to chime in, but, but it was Julian for sure. And uh, Tommy was there too.
0: All right, I have a very last one. So this one is from actually two different people who sent me the same question. Uh, It's Ben Colon and Lance Dawes. So Ben asked, when are we getting the Tobin slash antihero book that people need? And Lance asked, I ask him every
1: day why he doesn't have a book out. Okay, well, I'll answer first to Ben. I don't know if it's going to be an antihero book. I don't know what it's going to be, but I am working on it. And I worked on it. I've been working on it. I worked on it today too i'm not great at design but i'm pushing myself to follow through and put together the book that i want to see Mm. i think it has a lot to do with like youth and i don't know we'll see and then yeah to lance i would i would ask him the same question lance yes (laughs) i'm making my book when are you making your book
0: okay well we can wrap it up here thank you so much i appreciate you so thank you quentin uh, for, for taking the time to do this it was really nice
1: you're welcome and thanks for asking me quentin
0: that's it for my conversation with Tobin. Follow him on Instagram at Tobin Yelland and at tobinshop. Go visit his websites tobinyellen.com and TobinShop.com where you can buy some of his iconic photos and merch. And of course, do yourself a favor and go watch and re watch A Visual Sound in Fucktards. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boys.